You're listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 10, recorded the week of April 26, 2021. And welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of Customer Perspective. This is our Ipsos podcast series aimed at all of you who are concerned in some way with helping your organization deliver on its brand promise to customers. So I'm Helen Wilson. I'm the Global Chief Experience Officer for our Ipsos CX and Channel Performance business. And today I'm joined by Stuart Bluck. Now, he is the Senior Insight Manager at Whitbread. Now, obviously, all our UK listeners will know Whitbread, as indeed will those in, in Germany and many of our listeners across the world. But for those that don't, um, Whitbread is the UK's largest operator of hotels and restaurants. And, and you'll know they have some of the country's most successful hospitality brands, um, hotel group Premier Inn, brands like Beef Eater, Brewers Fair, to name but a few. But as well as Stuart, we've got Jamie Thorpe, our head of experience management. And Jamie, I always appreciate the fact that he brings fabulous guests with him. And of course, lovely to have Jamie on. Right then, Jamie, I'm going to hand the reins over to you, which means I get to sit back and listen to this. So, Jamie, over to you. Perfect. Thank you, Helen. Hey, Stuart, good to see you again. How are we doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. You? Yeah, yeah, good, man. Very well, thank you. The sun is shining, I can't complain. So, Helen has very kindly given us a, uh, an overview of Whitbread, or a very high-level overview of Whitbread. It'd be great if you wouldn't mind, as a bit of context for listeners, please just give an intro to you and your role within CX and Whitbread. Yeah, of course I can. So um, I joined Whitbread about three years ago and I look after the guest insight team for Whitbread across our Premier hotels and restaurants in the UK and now starting to support our expansion of Premier Inn into Germany. And what that really means in reality is, is I have responsibility for all of these sort of guest and brand research that we do, uh, guest analytics, and then um, ever more in the, in the last few years starting to support um, customer experience measurement and uh, informing our customer experience strategy. Perfect. Thank you. So that's a, um, a perfect segue into the, the next question I want to ask you, really, which is that you're, we'll, we'll come to the other uh, parts around research and insight and analytics, because it's important that we cover those off, and especially in the, in the CX ecosystem. So we'll do that. But zoning in on the CX part of your role, what's your view on the CX market at the moment and how it's evolved in recent times? Um. I personally find kind of the phrase customer experience really interesting. I think we might have had this debate a little bit in the past, Jamie, because I think you chat to different companies in different sectors, you talk to different people, and they all seem to refer to it or have a different interpretation of what it means to them. I think it could be, if you ask me how long I've worked in customer experience, I'd struggle to give you an answer because I could say 10 years ago we were doing simple CSAT surveys um, and quite traditional sort of research. You talked, and for others, that's for them, that is customer experience, and that is kind of the level to which it gets to, and it's perfectly valid and informs where they, where they need to be. Uh, you'll speak to others, and it's more about the technology solutions and trying to drive ever more sophisticated analysis, and how can you bring together multiple data sets, and how can you deal with unstructured data. So there's sort of so many strands of kind of maturity, I suppose, in terms of what it can mean for different businesses. But I think when I first, I suppose, started looking at it a few years ago, and even just for terms are confusing, the job roles are confusing, a head of customer experience in one business could be someone who looks after the contact centre, but is also responsible for designing all the end-to-end customer journeys and doing all the analytics that sits behind it. And in a different business, it could be purely an insight-led role. So I think kind of the, 
the definitions and the skill sets and the functionality that sits underneath it doesn't feel very consistent to me. And I think it's actually, I would say, quite confusing, probably from the outside, but certainly from being on the inside as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Stuart. I think we've seen massive growth in customer experience in in all sorts of areas in terms of how it's defined. And people will talk about human experience, customer experience, experience management. When we think about customer experience in the context of the engagement that we have and the work that we know we're doing, this is around the active um, management of the customer experience, getting feedback, using it in an operational, transactional way to get closer to customers to understand their feedback and drive a, a better mutually beneficial relationship between the two organizations. And I think I've been, you know, we've all been um, saddened by the difficulties that have been um, seen and evidenced in hospitality over the last year. But the one thing that has impressed me in the engagements that we've continued to have through this is the unfaltering commitment that Whitbread has towards the customer experience in, in the definition that I've just described. What what drives this within Whitbread? What, where does that, that, that energy and that constant high level of, of commitment come from? Yeah, I think um, customer experience, or I suppose putting the guest at the heart of decision-making for Whitbread seems to have been there. I said I've been in the business for three years, but it seems when I first walked in the door, you could see how entrenched it was within the culture of the organisation. I think not an unusual metaphor, but we have a, a customer heartbeat where we, which everybody is familiar with, that ties back to our, our brand values and our customer values. And what we have within Whitbread is um, whatever platform, whatever program that we've had in the past, be you a hotel manager um, in Scotland, be you a restaurant manager in the southeast of England, everyone will know their guest metrics. Everyone will know their scores for their particular hotel. They will know how they perform versus their region. They are all targeted in terms of delivering the best possible scores, the best levels of satisfaction and being able to really inform that and almost compete in a way in terms of their peer group, in terms of where they want to be. So kind of the language of customer experience and the way they think about it is right across the lifeblood of the business from whatever level you are, whatever part of the business you are, whether you're in head office looking at the analysis or I said you're working right across the estate. So I think the business has been incredibly fortunate pre-COVID that that culture was there that I'm sure a lot of other businesses would love to have that that engagement with the data and with the understanding um, was so was so strong and I think what's been so rewarding I think for me individually is what's been as you said such a tough year for so many of us and in hospitality we've obviously had to close our hotels for long periods of time we've had to close our restaurants people a high number of people have obviously been furloughed but the business has still chosen to invest in customer experience and they've chosen to bring in a really exciting strategic customer experience program um, throughout this period and make a substantial investment into it. But not only that, I think they've also um, been able to be able to awaken an appetite, I think, in other parts of the business that wouldn't have engaged with it. So really starting to get into kind of the business intelligence teams and the, the IS architecture teams and the HR teams and really get other people excited and thinking about it in a way that I haven't seen in the three years that I've been there. So I think it's um, it's amazing on what we've been able to build on, but I think it's so exciting to where we might be able to get in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and incredibly refreshing because a lot of businesses, I, I completely understandably, went to ground. You know, especially in retail hospitality, but we've done a huge amount with you during lockdown, and this this preparation to be ready for when the uh, the great British public are 
released again into the wild and they're free, um, you know, has, has seen you, in my, in my opinion, get ahead of the curve. So, you know, now that things are starting to open back up again, you guys are ready, which is, which is amazing. You talk about culture and there's, there's a couple of things actually I would like to just, just ask you about regarding culture. And there's two ways to look at this. One is the sort of top down and, and the second is the bottom up. And I know that I get asked a lot about we from from prospects and clients we you know we want to get cx at the top table and in some organizations it is it's there it's squarely there it forms part of the scorecard or the, or the ceo or the c-suite have it and but in others they don't so i'm not asking you to share anything sensitive i know it's not a problem that you have i know that, that from the top down the c-suite the culture comes all the way through is there any anything you can expand on there in terms of how they engage with you and, and this and any tips that you might share with those that are listening I think it's hard to give tips because I think I'm very fortunate that I think that culture was already there when I was in the business. I think it's, I suppose, in the context of we had a C-suite that was engaged with the idea of customer experience and, and understood the importance of guest metrics. And I think whether we're running product trials across all of our hotels, whether we're redesigning the hotel rooms, whether we're opening new hotels, the conversation it's quite consistently kind of how does the guest feel about this? If we're doing a trial, how does the guest feel about this? So we're making sure that we're not just making decisions based purely on those kind of commercial metrics. Um, I think the balance that we will continue to have um, in order to really, really get it right, though, is that we can prove the commercial impact of changing those guest metrics. So they're there, they're in the conversation. I said everybody in the business is measured on them. Everyone is targeted with improving them. Um, so that culture is, is going all the way through, as we said, right up to the right up to the um, executive team within Whitbread. Um, where I think we still need to move the conversation forward, though, um, to build on the culture that we have, is to really almost make sure we've got a seat at the top table, I suppose, but be able to have an equal seat at the top table and be able to really say that when we do this, the commercial impact of changing that metric is why. Um, and I think we're sort of having to having to be patient at the moment in the sense of the program is very new that we've just put in place. And as, as we've talked about, we've put it in place over a year where the irony of ironies, we don't really have as many guests staying in our hotels. Um, so we haven't got the data flowing through to be able to utilise it quite quite how we would want to. Um, I think what we really want to build on, and I think what we've had some success with today is being very, very clear and what we see is the strategic and commercial benefits of what the program will deliver. Um, and starting to move the conversation away from it's not just about shifting a survey score from X to Y, but it's about really building a holistic understanding of who our guests are and how that compares to our competitors as the market continuously evolves. So I think it's an ongoing dialogue more than anything else. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And the, the, the maturity work that we did together was, was fascinating as well. And I know that you've had a, a, a view previously on the commercial linkage between CX performance. But like you rightly say, it's a new program, it's a new world. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next. I think the great thing looking in from the outside is that irrespective of what the actual number is, it's the concept that the, the senior team buy yes. into. They, they know that there is a correlation between driving performance and, and business metrics, which is great. So that's that's from the top down. And I know I, you know, I know from personal experience of engaging with you and the team how important that the seniors take this. The front line is always interesting because there's a massive front line when it comes to Whitbread. You know, various roles and, and lots of people at, um, have been with the company for a long time. Some people who are new to the company, constant change, but you seem to have a good level of engagement at the front line, which again is just a fantastic 
position to be in. So is there anything that you can share around how you do anything different or how or why the frontline embraces in, in, you know, in, in the same way that the, the C-suite do? I think I would actually say when I look at the programme that we've brought in together over the last six months, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is how I think we've been able to take the frontline teams with us as a genuine, I know it's a cliche, but as a genuine partnership to help inform the direction of the programme and mm-hmm. to have the confidence in terms of where we wanted to go with it. So as we introduced the new programme into the business, we did it initially as a trial. So we did it initially to say we think we're pretty confident this is what we want to do, but let's be careful um, before we before we, before we we commit to this as the long-term answer. And when we did that, we, we called out very clearly one of the success metrics has to be that our operators engage with this and they're confident with it in terms of the direction that we want that we want to go in. And we made sure, therefore, that as we constantly iterated and developed and made anything from really minor decisions to quite major decisions, we were constantly engaging at the hotel managers, the restaurant managers, the regional managers, right across the country to be part of that part of that conversation and to make sure that when we could put the recommendation of where we wanted to go back into the C-suite, we could do that driven from a foundation that the people who are going to use this day in, day out, believe in it and believe in the direction of where they want to go. Um, and I think we're sort of seeing some of the evidence of that very quickly, that of that engagement and where we've got to. And I think the simplicity we've been able to get to with the platform so far that we've been able to do incredibly light touch training because people are finding it very intuitive and simple to use. We've got people requesting more. They just want more. They want to engage with it. They want more detail. They want more data, which is, again, is really exciting. And even as we've talked about now, I mean, the majority of our hotels are open, but only to business guests with the current restrictions that are in place. But we've still got nearly 700 hotel managers logging on. I think it was yesterday when we checked it, um, looking at the data. So we've got, I think, we've got just over 800 hotels. We've got the vast majority logging on and checking what, what's happening with their scores. I mean, that, I think, is evidence of the really high level of engagement. Yeah, I think we're incredibly fortunate. I think it's the the most important thing I think we can do over the next year is as we continue to, to think about this, continue to work out where we're going to go. We maintain that partnership and we, contain, we continue that engagement as we progress. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you say, to have that that proportion of your network engaged with it without any form of, of, of essentially stick or carrot, you know, they, they see the benefit of doing it to improve their business is fantastic. And this is very much the operational end of CX, as we've talked about. And as you've alluded to there, as always happens, there's a hunger. So when, you know, when we spoke about let's let's prove the point out, you and I knew that the, this was going to go. So the right way in terms of the business needed it, it wanted it, but we're very comfortable doing that. And the way people flocked to it and then to see that in rollout as well is, is fantastic. That you, you mentioned a platform there and obviously that platforms form a key part of our ecosystem. And, you know, I, I would say this, wouldn't I? But I'd say you have a class leading ecosystem in place with uh, Ipsos and Medallia. I, uh, you know, I can't hesitate to say that. I think it's true. Um, can you maybe just expand a little bit more on on how the the Ipsos and Medallia ecosystem works for you in terms of the you know the things that we bring to your business? Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things actually, Jamie. I think we if I find we wind back to when we brought the program in last year, um, I was actually on furlough um, and was brought back from furlough the day the decision was made, or the day after the decision was made to go ahead. Um, and then we were tasked, but as you said, I think we were always hopeful we would get to go ahead to do it, but in, in the climate which we've been operating, the challenges that Whitbread was having, there's obviously no certainties. 
Um, so we were tasked to bring it back in and we were tasked to bring it back in at speed so we could prove the concept and we could prove the value of the of the solution um, and the, the, the value of it as a long-term strategic solution. Uh, and we were tasked to be doing that at a rapid pace, doing that over a couple of months um, and obviously all virtually um, in terms of none of us were able to meet at all at that point in time. Um, and I think what was lovely for us, therefore, I think we were, we were all confident Medallia was going to be the right platform for us from a technology perspective. I think we were every, everybody was very aligned on that. But I think there is no way we would have been able to implement and do it at that speed without the partnership that we had with the team at Ipsos. And I think where we really benefited um, was having a team that also knew us that we'd worked with some of the, some of the team at Ipsos, at Robert Laura, with David on other projects. So they knew our business. They knew us as people. We knew how each other worked. Um, and they were able to really, I think, helpfully for us bridge the gap between where we have strong research knowledge, we've got strong CX knowledge, we've got strong analytical knowledge, but we don't know Medallia. Um, and it would have taken us a long, long time to try and get anywhere with it, I think, ourselves. Um, we used to manage a lot of our own, our previous program ourselves in-house. Um, but to try to get our heads around something that quickly, um, we never would have got there. So I think to be able to get off to a not just a fast start, but be able to get to what felt like quite a sophisticated delivery at speed, I think was um, a testament to, to the collective partnership. And I think now things are sort of settling down and we're starting to think about more how can we now uh, settle the programme as more of a BAU and start to start to get the value from it really as the guests start to, start to return back to our hotels. I think, again, it's lovely to be able to not only work with the team at Ipsos to help us with continued implementation, but also continue to have that debate about where we might want to go with the program and areas we might want to introduce and to um, also talk about some of the analytics that we might want to go after. So it, it's, a, it's a very um, genuine and rounded partnership. Yeah, and, it, and it's nice to hear because, you know, let's be honest, technology alone doesn't do it and research alone doesn't do it. So, you know, you have to have this ecosystem, this vehicle, and this is, you know, this, this program and, and Whitbread as a client is one where I genuinely see research and CX slash platforms and insight and analytics all working together. And I think it's definitely a strong case study for anybody who's juggling with it because we still see silos in, in organizations and we even still see in some businesses where the insight teams aren't the same as the CX teams and they're not, they're not working together. And, you know, clearly this is a, a proof point of when it does come together successfully. And it's easy for us to sit and say, right, remove your silos, reduce your silos, get teams to work together. But, you know, we can't make businesses do that. But there's, this is a strong testament to when that's done correctly. It makes a massive, massive difference. In terms of the elements of the platform and the elements of the program, we talk a bit about closed loop. We've covered closed loop before. And it's one that always comes up. And frankly, if it doesn't always come up, then invariably I bring it up because it's something I feel so strongly about. Call me tiresome, Helen. I know you will. But in terms of yeah, the Jay. increased increased focus on closed loop, what are your views on, on this and the impact that has within uh, a business like yours? Uh, sorry, Helen, I'm probably just going to um, build more ammunition for Jamie, I suspect. Um, I, I think it's incredibly important. I think... I'm glad okay. you're still, it's fine. <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. We're on the same line. I thought you might be. I thought you might be. Um, I, I, think, I think you've obviously got the obvious balance here between how we're collecting feedback for analytics purposes, which is very self-serving from the perspective of the business, to how can we actually understand and utilise that feedback to help improve guest recovery help and help drive ultimately future um, retention. 
uh, particularly from our perspective of guests who've stayed in the hotel who might leave us be it, I'd say feedback, you know, whether it's negative feedback, positive feedback, but how can we actually respond to that and prioritise that and understand that? I think when I've sort of been trying to think about it over the last sort of six months or so, I think sort of the principle of outer loop, I suspect, probably feels more comfortable for many insight teams because they're sort of used to sharing high level insight and high level implications. I think the more interesting question for me is sort of inner loop in terms of if you're going to get involved in designing that sort of process, again, you come back to where is the role of the insight team or the CX team or where does that cross over into other parts of the business? Because you're starting to get into conversations around um, designing, you know, structures for people, for processes, for other systems where it can feel quite uncomfortable, I think, in terms of what does that actually look like and how does that need to work and where does my role stop and where does somebody else's role finish? So, um, I said we're still working through it as an organisation mm-hmm. as to exactly how we want to do it. Um, we do it outside of the platform at the moment through other processes. Um, but again, it's something that we're certainly looking at as to how we want to get to a more joined up way of doing this in the future. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I've got a couple of questions that I, I like to, to ask people like yourselves as, as standard because we get lots of people listening to, to this podcast and reviewing the videos that we, we produce. And What's really interesting is we don't typically get people come to us now and say, what is this thing CX? I've heard it. Should I be doing it? Everyone's looking to drive improvements. And so really, this is the the sort of Stuart's top tip section, um, which is uh, <laughs> if you were to share your experience of those that are new to CX or or, or at an early stage, I think it's fair to say, or, or maybe a, a, a less advanced level of maturity, what are the things you would say are are critical, maybe if you had to encapsulate them into three. I'm going to try, I probably am going to come up with three cliched answers here, Jamie, and then I feel like you almost need a buzzer to be able to tell me if I give you the same answers everybody else does. But um, I I, I come back probably firstly to one of the things I've already said, which is I think CX means so many different things to different organisations, which I know is an obvious thing to say, but I would say for anybody getting into it, take the time to work out what it means for your specific business. I think one of the things I'm, I, I could say I did from my experience when I joined Whitbread is I intentionally went and consulted very, very widely, both within the business, but outside the business as well. Um, and just understanding how other people think about this, what they do, how they work, because as we've said, so much of this isn't just about technology, but it's about culture and it's about processes and it's about ways of working. And I think it's, I would rush to the answer and take the time to work out what's going to be right for, for your specific business. Um I think the second thing I'd say is I'd use it as an opportunity to build cross-functional relationships. I think I found over the last sort of year as we've been putting in place for a new program, I've met and worked with people whose job roles I probably never would naturally cross over. Um, and again, I know it's still probably the obvious thing to say, but for a CX program to land, it needs really strong ownership and engagement across the business. It doesn't matter how good the feedback mechanism is. It doesn't matter how good the technology partner is. People need to understand it. They need to believe in it and they need to feel like they own it. And whether that's through comms, you know, or a comms piece, whether that's through branding, whether that's through, you know, constant dialogue and, and, and cross-functional forums, I think it's got to be quite, it's got to be consistent and it's got to be widespread. And I suppose the last one, probably building on that, I think if you're moving into CX, I think you might find you start to get involved in some quite strange, quite different conversations to begin with. And you might find you're making decisions about things that you're not used to. Um, I said, I think it normally is re- as for me, as a, as a kind of an insight professional and kind of a researcher by, by trade, um, it's then quite unusual when you're getting involved in making decisions about technology. You're, you're, getting, you're getting involved in conversations about contact centres, and but they're all part of it, and they're all part of that broader piece of customer experience. Customer experience is 
you know, every single touch point a customer has with your brand, then those conversations should be very far reaching. Um, and I would genuinely say it's a privilege to be part of them. That's brilliant. I mean, there's some really great stuff in there. I mean, I've, there are some commonalities, which is fantastic. I mean, that's what, you, you know, you, you expect these are the things you need to do to, to do it right. I've, I've summarized those as, as contextualize, democratize and evangelize. <laughs> Rightly or wrongly. <laughs> it's beautiful, Jamie, beautiful. <laughs> Should be in marketing. Perfect. Um, Stuart, thank you so much. Um, my final, final question. Any anything that you can see coming next? What do you think next for the CX profession? Um, I'm not gonna pretend to have a crystal ball. I think I think I've probably been quite a consistent voice today saying how I think at the moment the world of customer experience in my in my humble opinion, I think is quite is complex and I think it's quite confusing. Um, I, you, can only see, you can only see it becoming more important. And I think the role of technology, especially text analytics, as we start to get into dealing with ever more unstructured data becoming ever more critical. I think what I'd personally be very interested to see is how the role of the CX professional, both client side and agency side, evolved over time. And see if we get to a place where, in my mind, it's more clearly defined in terms of the skills and the remit for those who work in, who work in that area, I think would be quite interesting. And I think would continue to give the roles ever more kind of gravitas. Um, Stuart, perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time and for, for sharing your views. Helen, anything to, to add, anything to say before we wrap? Other than thank you. And I just want to know, did you know what Stuart was going to say before you came up with con- contextualise, democratise, evangelise, or was that just Jamie just Jamie on the fly? That was me on the fly, but um, I didn't know what <laughs> he was going to say. He's in the wrong job, isn't he, Stuart? Um, I mean, seriously. No, I think I should have come up with something more original, clearly, but hey. <laughs> no, seriously, it's brilliant. Really, really helpful. What I appreciate as well, thank you for some of the very kind words about Ipsos and Indeed Medallia, but thank you for your honesty. I, I really, just listening to those three points you made at the end, because actually that, that final one, I, we haven't had that one come up on all of the podcasts. And I think that's a really important point because, you know, so often when I'm talking to heads of CX Insight or heads of CX or Insight, whoever it might be, for them to be working with basically tech heads, that's not something their career has prepared them for. It genuinely isn't. And they are called upon to work in all different sorts of areas. So the fact that you sort of recognise that, that will be strange and different conversations to be had, I think is frankly great advice that's not often given. So for all of that, thank you. Absolute pleasure to have you on our podcast. And Jamie, thank you. Seriously, absolute star. Really appreciated it. If people want to know any more, obviously I'm sure you guys would be happy to take questions. Would that be okay? Yep. Marvellous, they're nodding yeah. for those listening on uh, through the headphones. So uh, get in touch with us at customer perspective at ipsos.com. Obviously, uh, if you want to find out anything more about customer experience or indeed channel performance at Ipsos, then check us out at ipsos.com. But in the meantime, Stuart, thank you so much. Jamie, thank you so much. Been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Customer Perspective, an Ipsos podcast. New episodes will be made available each week, so be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the latest episodes delivered directly to you. We are also available on Spotify.